Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. We made it to the last day in 2023. And some of us are excited this is the last day. Some of us may be sad. But I hope that everyone today is hopeful for what God will do in 2024. So today we're going to jump back into the Gospel of Matthew. We've been talking through Matthew chapter 2, and we are going to finish off the chapter. A few weeks ago, Pastor Greg preached on the Magi. We learned about their long travel, coming and worshiping Jesus, bringing their gifts, and then the angel of the Lord appearing to them in a dream and sending them home on a different route. So today we're going to jump right in to our scripture after the Magi have left, and now the angel of the Lord is going to appear to Joseph in a dream for the protection of his family. So our scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. When the Magi had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and younger, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to a dream in Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, go back to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, Joseph was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. So I want you to go back with me for a moment if you have children. And think about when they were first born, your very first child. Can you remember some of those feelings that came with that? I remember when our first child, Caleb, was born. Dan and I were looking down at this child with such hope. We were so excited for what his future would be, what the purpose God had created him for. We were so thankful and, and actually relieved that he was finally here. And then in the midst of all that joy, mild panic began to set in. Do any of you remember that moment of panic that set in? Because we realized this child could do nothing on its own. We realized that he was going to depend on us to teach him everything and do everything for him. And as first-time parents, this was very overwhelming to us. I can remember all those feelings of fear I had and self-doubt and asking those big questions like, God, do you know what you're doing? 
Am I the right mom for Caleb? I mean, what if I can't do this? What if I mess this up? What if I don't teach him what he needs to know? And the big question, what happens if I fail? What does God do then? And during this time of year, I get very nostalgic about the birth of my kids and all of those emotions that come with it because I think about Mary a lot. And I I wonder, did she wrestle with some of the same feelings I had, some of those fears, some of those doubts? I mean, she was a first-time mom and a lot younger than me, but on top of that, she was chosen to raise the Son of God. So I wonder, did she second-guess herself? Did she ask, why me, God? Did she worry that she wouldn't be able to do this if she would fail? And did she wonder, then what, God? But then I think about all the joy and the hope they must have experienced the first time they held Jesus in their arms. They were the very first ones who held the Savior of the world in their arms. The first one who embraced the fulfillment of God's promise that their people had been waiting for for so long. And I can only imagine in that moment what the atmosphere in the stable would have been like that night. I mean, there were shouting and praising from the angels, declaring the birth of Christ. Shepherds were running to meet this Messiah. Hope had filled the earth. Joy had filled the earth. Finally, God stepped into our world and everything changed. Imagine the joy that filled the earth that night. But fast forward a little bit because not everyone was feeling so joyful about this event. We see King Herod was not celebrating the birth of a newborn king. No, instead he was consumed with his jealousy and fear. The hearing of a newborn king being somewhere in his vicinity opened the door for his fear to totally consume him. Now Herod was particularly a brutal man. He had no problems killing anyone who posed even the slightest threat to his reign. He was known for killing people, like one of his wives and some of his sons. There was actually a saying at the time of Herod's reign that said, you were better off being one of Herod's pigs than his sons. So you can get the idea of the kind of man we're talking about. One that was all about protecting his reign and his power. But fear is powerful, and fear of losing power and protecting your position can really drive people to do the most dangerous extremes, even kings. And here we see Herod falls into that. Afraid of losing everything, he orders the death of all two-year-old boys or children and under in Bethlehem and its vicinity. In his anger against the Magi for being deceived and reacting out of his fear, he takes the lives of innocent children. That was the world that Jesus was born into. Jesus was born into a broken and violent world, a world that desperately needed Jesus to come with his light, to drive away darkness and evil. But that all came with opposition, and Jesus faced opposition pretty early on in his earthly life. I mean, he wasn't even here on earth that long, and already we can see a war between good and evil playing out. We can see a war that Satan is orchestrating against God the Creator, because Satan himself is too afraid. He's afraid of losing his power and his reign in this broken world. And he knows the damage that Jesus will do to him and everything he can lose 
So he turns to try to destroy God's plans. And even if that means helping to orchestrate the murder of young children. But the thing about Satan is he doesn't change his tactics very often. His game plans are always the same, and he tends to repeat history. So we can look back in the Israelites' history, and we can see that this was not the first time that there was a threat to killing young children. In Egypt, we have Pharaoh who was afraid of losing his power because the number of the Israelites had grown so tremendously that they literally had enough manpower to overthrow Pharaoh. That was not their plan or their intention, but fear, when it comes in and takes over, it makes you a little paranoid. And in his fear, he ordered the killing of all newborn Hebrew male babies to prevent furthering the Jewish nation. See, there were already plans hundreds of years before Jesus even came on earth to try and stop that motion. But when God sets something in motion, when God has a plan, he provides provisions for all the attacks that will come against it. And in Egypt, we see that he already had provisions in place. He had two faithful midwives who refused to follow Pharaoh's orders. Moses, his mother, who was faithful, hid her son until she couldn't anymore, and then puts him in a basket down a river in hopes and in faith that God will provide someone to save him. And he does. God provides Pharaoh's daughter in finding this basket. And God provides a way that allows a Hebrew boy to be raised in Pharaoh's court. One that should have been killed but is accepted in his court because God's plan was to have Moses lead them into slavery. Man's plan was to have Moses killed before he even had a chance, but God's plan was totally different. And when God has a plan, he makes provisions for his plans. Now, we know the story how this comes. Moses does lead them out. He leads them out into freedom, but it doesn't last very long because their disobedience and their ugliness and sin of their hearts propelled them into this vicious cycle of sin and bondage. And so they spent most of their lives in battles and in bondage. And we see it was impossible for them to be perfect, impossible for them to obey all 613 commands in the Torah. Their sacrifices kept coming, but it just covered their sin. It didn't free them from the bondage and the pain of their sin. So God stepped in himself with Jesus, and he made a way for a permanent final sacrifice. And Jesus would become the one who all the nations, all the peoples, Jews and non-Jews, who would have a chance to finally be free from their bondage and sin but not without opposition. Opposition came before Jesus was even born. Opposition came before Jesus even spoke his first word. Opposition came as he grew in the knowledge and understanding of the Torah. Opposition came every time he preferred, performed miracles. He was surrounded by opposition and the ugliness of the world. But he had to step into the brokenness and the evil of this world to be able to conquer it once and for all. Our world is always gonna have pharaohs and Herods. There's always gonna be a struggle between good and evil. It's still happening today. 
But the good news today is that if you believe in Jesus, you stand in victory over all those pharaohs, over all those Herods, over all the evil. It doesn't mean that it goes away, but it means that it doesn't have a hold on us. It can't consume us. It cannot destroy us. Unfortunately, we have to live in this broken world and experience the pain of it. But God's plan for your life will never be destroyed by it. God will always make provisions for your oppositions. Now, we tend to get very caught up in the opposition to the point that we miss those provisions. In fact, the provisions are usually long set into motion way before we get to the moment of opposition. Our lives are not an independent string of events. Our lives are a continuous plan of God. So what happened to you five years ago may be important for you right in this moment, or maybe it will be important for you 10 years from now. But everything happens for a reason because God has a purpose for everything in the scheme of his plan for your life. He sees the whole picture, the beginning from the end, so he knows every detail and every need that you will ever have to be able to walk in fulfilling his plan. Jesus was no different. God saw the human life of Jesus before Jesus came here. And he knew exactly how every moment would play out and how every moment would work together to fulfill the ultimate plan God had for him. So King Herod's order was no surprise for God. God was already working this out way before this was even thought of. And we see that with the Magi, that God uses the Gentile Magi those that don't have faith in this God, who do not worship this God, but he uses them to fulfill his plan. Now, we know the story of the Magi. They came and they brought very expensive and significant gifts. And there is great significance about the gifts of gold, myrrh, and frankincense, which we're not going to get into today. But these gifts had an immediate purpose for a family that was about to have a big need. They would provide financially for a poor family that was about to be on the run to save their son's life. Joseph and Mary had no idea at that moment that they were going to face opposition, and they certainly had no idea that they were going to face opposition from King Herod. But God has provision for them. He sends them to Egypt, and not in a place of isolation. No, he sends them to a place where there would be community and help for them. Many historians say that at the time of Jesus in Egypt, there were about 250,000 to 1 million Jews in the country of Egypt. So here God sends them to a place where they would have support, a place where Jesus could grow in the Jewish faith and grow in its traditions. He provided a community because he knew this family would be separated from their family for quite some time. And all of this happened before Herod even gave his order. God aligned all the provision they needed before they even had to run. That is God going ahead of you. So what you're experiencing today could be the provision you will need for future opposition. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we can count on God to know it, and we can count on him to provide for it. We all have stories of this in our lives if we stop and look through them, how God has provided when we had no idea what he was doing, but then it makes sense when we're in that moment. 
When I first came to First Presby, one of the first people that I got to know was Maria Lindsay. And Maria and I bonded pretty quickly because her and John actually lived around the corner from my mom in Wallingford. And they lived so close that when there were no leaves on the tree, I could see their house from my mother's dining room window. And when they were moving, Maria gave my mom a kiddie pool for our dogs. My mom and Maria had met years before, had an encounter years before I ever came here even thought of coming here. So when I came here, Maria and I had a lot to bond over. We had a lot of things to talk about in Wallingford and all of those things. Who knew that God was already aligning that years ago? So one day, Maria and I are out shopping for an event, and I asked Maria, why did you guys decide to move? I expected to hear something like, we wanted to be closer to church now that we're retired, we wanted to be closer to family, and that was all true. But there was more to her story. And just as a side note, I want to encourage you, if you have not heard Maria's story, grab a cup of coffee with her. Because her testimony for the Lord is amazing. It is amazing to the power and favor of God and how he really does provide everything we need just at the right moment. And as she continued to tell her story, this is what stood out the most to me and still stands out today. She said to me, at the time, I really thought that we were moving for John, that we were moving to make it physically easier for him. I had no idea that God was setting this all up for me so that I would be in the perfect place when I needed treatment for cancer. See, God was lining up provision before Maria knew she had cancer because God always gives provision before the opposition. Often we don't realize it in that moment, but when we look back, it makes all sense. And as Maria's telling me the story, she's telling me all of these details that now make perfectly good sense why this one connected to this and this connected to this and everything connected together for this moment for Maria. And I think about her story often, especially when I am in moments of opposition, because it makes me stop and look for where God is and what he has been doing to prepare me to walk through this opposition. And I hope that that story will remind you when you face opposition. Because sometimes it feels like that just drops on us, like it just falls from the sky, and we feel like we are totally unprepared for this. But in fact, if we pause and examine where we are at, we can see that God has set us all up to be able to walk through this victoriously as conquerors. Now, let me caution you about the words victoriously and conquerors. Romans 8 tells us that with Christ, we are more than conquerors. But our worldly definition of conquerors or victorious is slightly different than God's. It doesn't mean that everything will work out perfectly exactly the way you want it. It doesn't mean that we won't endure pain or suffering. It doesn't even mean that the final outcome will be in our favor. But what it does mean is that whatever comes against us will not consume or destroy us. It will not separate us from God. It will not make us lose the love of God. And it will not shatter the plans of God for your life. 
look back to the Roman Empire. One of the most powerful men, King Herod, couldn't even destroy the plans of God. He had all the power and authority at his fingertips, and he still couldn't do it. Look at that picture. Look at it oh, it's a wider picture. From the visit of the Magi's, which we know took a really long time because baby Jesus was actually toddler Jesus. So we know that was a long journey in miles and in years. But God was always already working in that before that journey even start. God sent the financial provisions for the Magi. He had an exit plan for Jesus to spare his life. And it was a place where he would have safety and he would have community that he could grow in the purpose of what God called him for. And in God's goodness, he even protected the Magi on their way home. He had a plan for them as well. The God of the Jews used the kings, the wise men, the Gentiles of the Magi as part of his plan that would bring peace and eternal life to all that would put their trust in Jesus. Years in the making, every detail worked out so perfectly so that when Herod gave his order, he had already failed. God had already defeated Herod's plan before it even started. That is God going before you. We have no idea who God will use in our lives. Believers, non-believers, rich, poor, successful, unsuccessful, educated, non-educated, nice, kind, or mean and nasty. We have no idea, but what we do know that God will always provide provision for your opposition. God's plan for your life will always be fulfilled and nothing or no one could ever destroy the plan of God. Now, I know it may look like at times the world is winning, and I'm sure it looked like King Herod won when he ordered that, those killings. And I'm sure it looked like Herod, Pharaoh won when he ordered those killings. But no matter what it looks like in the world, God always, always has the final say. So when opposition comes, do not fear. Look where God is at and what he has been doing because he has been preparing you for this very moment. Do not allow what your earthly eyes see to dictate what you believe about your circumstances. Stop and look at the wider picture because that moment that opposition or that challenge that you face, you have already been prepared for. Pause and look for where God is and where he's working right now to prepare you for this very moment. When you face opposition, you don't face it alone. And I know that sometimes it feels like we do. We feel like we're walking through this all by ourselves. And sometimes it looks like it to us and others but God walks with you. He has gone before you to prepare the way for you to walk victoriously through this with him. No matter what we see or how we feel, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can hold on to the promises of Hebrews 8, that with him you are more than a conqueror. You can hold on to the words of Paul that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those are your promises. 
Hold on to those promises because the Lord does go before you. He will never, ever allow you to face a situation where he will not provide the provisions for you to walk victoriously through it with him. He gave you his son. That's the greatest proof we could ever have. God withholds nothing for us to fulfill his plans. God sent his son for your life to have freedom, to walk in freedom, and to have life more abundantly. You have the ability to walk in the victory of Christ Jesus. So look for God's provision because it's all over your life. Your life is completely saturated with God's provision for whatever you will need. Go to him and ask him to reveal to you where he is and what he has been doing to prepare you for such a time as this. Amen.